Uh, the, the chapter starts with, do not let your hearts be troubled, or, you know, he's saying to them, their hearts are being tossed back and forth. And that's what it means, troubled. It means that the uh, events in life are tossing our hearts back and forth. That was true of them, but he's saying to them, you could be going through this situation without that tossing back and forth. (laughs) And the types of things that he's talking about there is pretty wide and varied and covers pretty much, I mean, just to mention a few of them, um, and, you know, Jesus is going to the cross. Peter pulls out a sword and is ready to do battle. And Jesus tells him to put it away. It's pretty clear the disciples thought that they were making some serious changes in their culture and that there was some reform that needed to be made and that they were making progress on that. And the death of Jesus made it really clear that wasn't the case. Um, the story last week... It, when uh, Mary, or a few weeks ago, Mary pours out oil, and they, you know, the story was that they said, you know, this money could have been given to the poor. Jesus says, the poor you'll always have with you. What would he say? They had been doing all sorts of things with poverty, helping people out, making progress, and there was a sense that they were really moving forward to try. And with Jesus dying on the cross, it was clear that wasn't the case. There was a lot of disappointment of setting some goals, setting some plans, feeling as though things are leading in this direction, and then finding out that's not exactly what's happening here. That causes your heart to like, you know, you go through a, when you experience that, you go through a real time where it's hard for you to move forward just because your heart is so tossed back and forth. Um, Last week, or not, I keep saying last week, Prior in the story, it says that Judas was going to betray him. We'll find out. Judas comes up and kisses Jesus to point out to the people who Jesus was. And Jesus pulls back and says, you know, are you betraying me with a kiss? You know, betrayal is something that they were dealing with. Their hearts are, you know, you could work for a company. There's a pretty good chance at some point uh, your job is going to betray you. (laughs) There's pretty much someone in your life that you love and that you care about is going to betray you. And it's going to be like life is going to stop at that moment. And the reason why it's stopping is because our heart is just sort of just tossing back and forth. That's a really difficult thing to grapple with. Uh, Peter tells Jesus, well, look, you know, I'll, I'll be able to lay my life down for you. And Jesus says, well, before the night's over, you're going to disown me three times eventually we're going to go through something in life where we think we've got all these, this fortitude or we've got this discipline or we've got this dedication and then we're going to, our failure is going to come through and that's going to toss our heart back and forth. And so anyways, in whatever way, and then probably the gravest thing is that these guys really love Jesus He's become an important part of their life. And now he's going to be killed, viciously, murdered, systematically, like institutionalized, like the, the legal system is behind it, pushing forward. There's a lot of soul searching and just like, you know, 
life kind of stops because your heart is just, you know, you can't really, there's going to be a time of trying to figure that out. Well, what he's getting at here is throughout life, we talk about make all these plans and do all these things, but what are we going to do? How are we going to make it through those moments when we're just so thrown back and forth by things in life and our heart is just, you just can't find any footing with it. How do you push forward with that? And he talks about three things that we'll just briefly go through. One is, if you're going to go through life, given all of the difficulties, the stress, and this situation where our heart is being tossed back, we're going to need to find a place of assurance. And people have all sorts of things. You can see that's why people say, I can do anything I put my mind to. Or I believe in my, you know, we've got all these silly sayings that people say. That, that's all about people realizing that in order to like kind of get through to make plans, I have to like find some sort of place of assurance. So that's one. The next thing is, is well, how do we find a way through all this stuff? And, you know, I want to find a way that's sort of proven that there's some evidence to show that, like, this is a path that's good. How how do we find that? That's like every self-help book that's out there. (laughs) You know, it's like trying to tell you, here's the path to how you can lose 50 pounds or something like that, you know. And it's proven. You know, a scientist, you know, that lives on a sailboat somewhere shows that this diet plan is approved or something. How do you find the power or or the strength to overcome things? Those are the three things that we all think through because we all know that's what life takes. And and Jesus is basically telling his disciples, how do you find that in me rather than searching for it in yourself? The first thing that he says, and this is what all three kind of come down to, he says... uh, Believe in God, or believe, or another word would be trust. Believe or trust in God, trust also in me, or believe also in me. The first belief is in the indicative. The uh, second is in the imperative. Um, what does that mean? He's, he's saying this, uh, that the first is a, like a statement of fact. You believe in God, statement of fact, maybe even a statement of fact that's pointing towards something. And and when he says God, uh, he later says the Father. So he's not saying the Father and Jesus. He's talking about, this is maybe a theological point or something like that, but God is the totality of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's about to talk about the Holy Spirit, which we'll hit on next week when he says, I'm sending a helper for you. So he's not talking about the difference between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's saying that the totality of all three, that if you believe, if there's this statement then, then what proceeds from that is, he says, what's of most importance is Jesus. What's he getting out there with that? First of all, what he's saying is, is that we try and approach life and answer these questions of where I can find assurance, where I can find this path, where I can find this strength. We're basically 
99% of the time, whether you're a believer or not, the disciples were believers, he says they were, but we approach all those things as though God doesn't even exist. It's like the way that we would go about doing those would be the way that we would do it if God doesn't exist. But he says, by the nature of, if we were to just, let's say we just take a leap of faith to it and say, God exists, what would then be the imperative from that? In other words, what would be the importance of that, saying that God exists? What would be the importance of that is, well, does that God love me? Does that God love me? Does that God want to be with me? Is that God in my life? And Jesus is saying he's the answer to that. In other words, Jesus is God saying, if God exists and you're willing to make that statement or you're willing to proceed on that statement of fact, what that leads us to ask is, is God in my life right now? Or is that God standing off to the side? Because if he isn't, it might as well not even you know, be there. The imperative there. And if it is true that God exists, it would have to be it would make logical sense that it would have to be. It would only be of importance if that God wanted to be. And if that God wanted to be with us, the greatest way that God could possibly be with us is to come down and to become born as one of us. You, sometimes you just think that's kind of a silly thing about the Bible or something like that. Why does it matter? Uh, Jesus you know, being 100% God or Jesus being 100% man and that whole thing. It, it matters because it's, it's the imperative. If God exists and he loves us and cares for us and wants to be with us, then this would need to be the case. This would be the greatest expression of God saying, yes, I want to be with you by him saying, I'm not going to be up here anymore. I'm going to come down. A part of me is going to come down and become a human being and live a life here on earth with you in, in reality. What Jesus is saying is, is the assurance that we need isn't I believe in myself or I, I believe I can do anything I set my mind to or I believe, I believe, I believe. He says, no, oh. what we need comes from this leap of faith that God is there and then asking the question, does God want to be in my life? And if he does, then Jesus it would need to be that way. Does that make sense? It would make rational sense that it wouldn't just be a story. It would be, this is what would need to be the case. So what Jesus is saying to them is saying, quit looking for assurance in things that would proceed from a step of saying, God isn't even there. Whatever assurance you have in that is just going to be wiped out. But if God's there, then the assurance that we have is found in trying to figure out, is God actually here in my life or not? And that's what he's getting at with Jesus, is our assurance would all be tied to that, us coming to believe, coming to understand that, that God really is 
in my life in a real way. And then here's what Jesus says about that. He says, my father's house has plenty of room. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. You see what he's saying there? He's saying, look, if this is the case that I've actually come down and now I am a part of you. It's like, I'm part of your group. I'd let you know if something was going on up here that, you know, affected you that you didn't know because I'm part of you now. You know, I'm part of your group. He says, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you may be where I am. And you know the place where I am going. Now, the, the word that he uses, it's, it's hard for us to translate. It's a, a Greek word that describes um, something that was very common back then. And it's common today, too. We just think of the concept in a different way. What, what the concept was back then is a group of people would be together, and they would be going on a journey. But someone in that group, as a part of that journey and as a part of that group, would go on a little bit ahead of them to, because, you know, they, back then you didn't have like a Motel 6 or something like that, or you didn't have, you couldn't go online and make reservations, you didn't have a cell phone, blah, blah, blah. Someone needed to kind of go on ahead and prepare so that, you know, there was a place for everyone to stay so that when that group came, it, it would, they could rest for that journey. And, and it was sort of something that needed to happen as a part of, and it Um, I went this last weekend, uh, Karen, you know, my wife, uh, her parents had this little, I don't know how much I want to go into the whole detail, they had this little sailboat, I think it was like a 12-foot sailboat called the Top Banana, something stupid like that, it was ridiculous going out in the water in such a small boat, and they'd go from sand, they tried to get me to go out one time, and it was just like, this is ridiculous, like the waves are over the mast. So anyways, brother got his first job. He just got married a year ago. He's got a couple paychecks. He decides he's going to rent this boat and go out to Catalina, kind of relive for like their one-year anniversary, and blah, blah, blah. Karen decides to tack onto it too. So she's, you know, so everyone's very excited about going to this Catalina, except for me, because I'm not really into killing myself out in the middle of the water. I'm just not... That's not one of the things that I'm into. Especially, like, I, I fall off a cliff. I just don't want to, like, drown in the ocean. Like, it's just my personal preference. I would probably rather even, I think I might even rather be eaten by a bear. Like, you know, partially and I'm still alive and, you know, rather than drown in the ocean. So, you know, I don't know why. But, so they go on this. So I start... You know, there's an immense amount of planning that goes into something like that. You know, you got to find, like, we thought, oh, we'll do some camping. It's like, oh, well, it turns out you have to do, like, some hiking with that. It's like, oh, that'll be fun. We'll do some hiking. And then there's, like, when the ferry schedule. And then for whatever reason, like, right in the middle of the trip, the ferry schedule changes from, you know, summer schedule to, like, winter schedule, fall schedule. There's, like, and you don't know, I haven't been there. So there's just immense amount of planning that goes into that. So that the family that went as a group, it could make it happen. So we all went, and so we could have this story. We could have, you know, it's like a, 
a precious thing, really, to have in your life, your family, things like that that you can talk about and you remember and you want to have those types of things. And we have a ton of those things. This is just one of them. But it takes someone preparing the way. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I'm a part of your group and my role as a part of that group is I'm the one who's preparing it. So that he's not just talking about, oh, we're going to have a track home up in heaven and Jesus is up there as a carpenter building them all right now. He's not talking about that. I mean, I'm sure that's happening. And I'm sure it's not a track home. They're all individual looking homes. But what he's saying is, is the journey of life. We're all going to come to this place at the end where we can all sit there and we've had this journey together and we're going to be up in heaven. You wonder, well, what's the jewels? What's the crowns? The crowns is all the conversations, all the joy, all the remembering. Or like, remember when you're going through this and I was there with you and remember when you needed this or I needed this and you helped me with this and, and all those types of things that happen like in a, in a family reunion or something like that or when old friends get together and you sit there and you just talk about all your memories together and it's like a joyful thing. Thing type thing. He says, all that's being facilitated from beginning to end by me. I, I'm making, I'm preparing the way so that we can have this life together and we'll be here at the end and we'll be able to just talk about how awesome that all was. And he says, what it is that we need assurance is assurance that that's kind of what God wants and God's going out there and being that role, doing that for us. That, that it's not just confidence that I'm going to get through this or get through that. It's what we really need, the confidence that we really need, is that there's someone else, someone out there. God, Jesus, who's preparing our life for us in the midst of all these things that we're going through and difficulties, you know, you know, just according to the app, when we got to Catalina and I looked at the island, it had been a long time since I've been there, and all of a sudden I looked and it's like, whoa, those are pretty big mountains. There's no way Olive's making it up that mountain, <laughs> you know. But we're here. I, we got there and I realized Olive wasn't going to make it through the mountain. We, we, I found out there was this van, so I took Olive and all the bags to the next campsite in the van so everyone else could hike without their packs, which I'm not sure the whole crew is going to make it with their packs on this. But anyways, it's, it's that type of thing. Jesus is the one that's going out and doing all those things. And it's not that there's not difficulty, but he's the one who's making it so that we can get through these different things. And there's these hard things in life. And, and, but we view them as like it's going to be the end of the story. I'm going to get in this sailboat and we're going to go down to the bottom and die. But he's making it so we can go on a sailing trip together and there's a big storm, but we make it through it. Now we can all talk about it at the end. That's what he's saying here with this. He goes, you need to have some sort of assurance that that's the case. It's like, you know, sorry, I'm struggling for examples. Climbing some big cliff. You have a rope on you because... It gives you this assurance that if you slip and fall, it's not the end of the trip. <laughs> you know, you fall maybe 10 feet and then you can keep going again. That's what he's saying. I'm that rope type thing. You have to have something like that or you're just not going to be able to make it through this whole thing. He says, Thomas then, 
Uh, Thomas is the one who says, he's not at all. Thomas, earlier when Jesus went back to Jerusalem before Lazarus, they all said, you know, well, we can't go back to Jerusalem because we're going to get killed there. Thomas is the one who says, well, we might as well just go with him so that we can die with him. You know, he's not under any illusions of where Jesus is going. He firmly believes Jesus is dying. He's just kind of hoping that he dies with him. And what they're most troubled about is that Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to go this way, but you guys aren't going, and it's that separation. Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? He's just saying, look, we don't even know the goal. We thought we were kind of solving poverty, and that's not happening. We thought we were going to, like, institute this reform. That's not happening. You know, if we don't even know the goal, how is it that we can follow on the path? If we don't even know where we're going, how can we, how can you prepare the way? How can we follow? How can we go down that trail if we don't even have any idea what's going on with this? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. That's what Jesus is saying in terms of God that he talked about before, that him and the Father are one. That it's the part, And he talks about the Holy Spirit here in a minute. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. And Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't believe, don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. What's he getting at with that? Look, if the question is, is is God there? Is he here in my life? A lot of times we're just not really looking around. Jesus is saying, look, the the facts speak for themselves. He says, the problem is that you're not understanding that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What's he getting at with that? Well, what he's saying is that, look, when, look, when we went on the, I, I talked about the uh, Catalina trip, right? Told you all the details about it. And now that I'm thinking about it, it kind of left you with the impression that I was going out and planning all this stuff for the family and by the power of my planning ability as the father figure and the family taking on responsibility and doing that, blah, blah, blah. What actually happened on the trip was I planned on going out of San Pedro and then I was like, oh man, I, we just, can we... I don't have to buy, pay for a hotel room. It was all so expensive right now. It's like maybe we'll just go down and try and sleep in a rest stop. And then I realize we're not going to be able to like do that and sleep. It's like no one's going to be able to go on this hike. We're going to have to get something. So I look around and it's like I see this hotel. It's like this Best Western. 
And so I go on there and I kind of, it's like, oh, this is just going to be like way too much money. And then it's like, oh, you know, you know, you need to log in if you want to have it sent on an email. I, I didn't want to like have to write it all down. So I wanted to have an email thing. So I signed in on the thing and it turns out for some odd reason, I have no idea. I had 20,000 points, whatever that is for, it's called like IGH or something. I don't know, whoever owns Best Western. I had some sort of points with them. And it turns out this one hotel has a room for the night for 20,000 points, the exact amount of points. But this hotel wasn't by the San Pedro Port. It was by the Long Beach Port, which going to the place we were going, I had to go through this. So it was like, okay, well, this is like free. So I'm going to change my plans, even though this isn't like the most conducive. Now we got to go so... I just, but whatever, I'm going with free. And besides, this is kind of weird. I don't know where I got these 20,000 points. I'll take the 20,000 points. After I make the reservation, we get, you know, this is like three weeks ago, and then, and then come to find out, it's like, oh, the, the ferry schedule, like, for some reason, I got the times all wrong or something. And so really, the only ferry that we can go out of happens to be right next to that hotel in Long Beach. <laughs> So it's like, okay, well, that kind of throws the whole thing off. And then it's like, I couldn't get the reservation that I wanted at the site. I tried and tried and tried for like four weeks. Every day went on trying to find, it was completely filled. So there's this other campsite up there, but it was too far to hike up to that campsite in that day based on the ferry schedule. But the guy said we could rent kayaks and go up there. So I thought, oh, okay, we'll do it. But you just have to arrange that when you get there. So we get there and then it's a, it's a small craft advisory. I didn't even know there was such a thing, which means you can't go out on any small boats. They won't rent them. They're shutting it down. So lady says, basically, well, your trip's ruined because there's no way you're going to get up to this other campsite. So I was just sort of sitting there. Everyone's there. And uh, I look over, and there's like the kayak guy. So I don't know why. I just walked over there, and I walked in the door, and the guy says, are you Dennis? And I'm all, yes, I am. <laughs> he could have said, are you Frank? And I would have said, yes, I am Frank. <laughs> Do you have something for me? He says, oh, I've been trying to get a hold of you this whole time. And it's like, you've got this small craft advisory. And I'm all, I didn't even say anything. I'm just sort of standing there, like, waiting to see what's going to happen. He says, I talked to my boss. And we feel really bad about it. We couldn't get a hold of you. And so we got a campsite for you here in town, which is one I've been trying to get to for like a month. I go over there, and the lady had been super mean at me. It's just looking, but he goes to this other lady. <laughs> and she was super nice. <laughs> she gave us this campsite, and it was like right on the water, like looking, like, you know, it wasn't even like deep into the camp. It was right on the water. It was just wonderful. It's like, what Jesus is saying is his works speak for themselves. But we want so badly to be the way, the truth, and the life ourself. And so we just see everything in that light and we try and just push and we try and gain that some sort of assurance that, you know, it's like that, that, that we can be that. He's saying, I'm not giving that to you. I am the way, the truth, and life. And your assurance is that God is down here on earth. And he says, if you just start looking at the facts of the story, you'll see that that's the case. And it's little things like, well, where did the twin? Just like I said about, there's two different versions of that story you could tell. One, 
that highlights, I'm the way, the truth, I'm the dad, I'm this, I'm that. And then there's the other version that shows my failure, but that all these odd things start happening. And what he's saying is, is quit trying. You know, he says, you know, show us the Father. And he says, haven't you already seen it? You know, we keep thinking, like, in order to see that God is in my life, I just need more. And that's a natural thing. God gives us more. But he says, there's already enough in our life to see that God is there. The problem is not that we need more. It's fine to ask for more, to say, God, I just need more indicator that you're in my life. That's perfectly acceptable. God cares about that. He, he does that. But, but at some point, Jesus is saying, it's not answered by saying, I need more. I need a bigger miracle. I need this. People saw Lazarus raped from the dead, and then they tried to kill him afterwards. It's not a matter of more. At some point, we have to be willing to see, to look, to be honest, to take an honest look at things and see that something's going on here because I didn't work this trip out. It got worked out some other way. And if we just start looking at the evidence in our life, we'll see a different story. And that story will give us a different assurance. And that assurance is okay. It's perfectly acceptable to have an assurance in the aid that that Jesus is giving us. He's not demanding that we get this journey on ourselves. He's not demanding that we make all the reservations. He's not demanding that, like, in order for me as a father to take care of my family and to, that I have to, like, work all this stuff out. He's saying, I'm going to work it all out for you. It is all you have to do is just be looking for, you know, make some adjustments. You know, how do we know the way? He says, you know the way. If you start looking and being honest about what's going on in our lives, we'll see the things that God is doing in the way that he is in our life, uh, enough to take it. And he says, the way is following all those things. Oh, I don't know how I got 20,000 points, but this was going to give me free. I'll go that way. (laughs) There's lots of things in life. And even the most successful people, when you talk to them, if they write a book, they'll write it all about, they knew every little step along the way, and this is how you figure it all out. But if you talk to them in a moment of honesty, they'll always say, it's like, well, this odd thing happened, and then this happened, and there was these other things happened. And I was actually, I, I, you know, I was a music major, and now I'm an engineer. I don't know how that happened. You know, something odd like that. The assurance that we need is an assurance that God is with us. The evidence of God being with us is here already. We can ask for more, but it really is, let's start taking an honest look at the good things that are happening in our life and how it is that they're really coming about and being honest about the aid and the preparation that that someone other than us is putting into so that we can walk into those. And here's how it ends. It says, Very truly I tell you, all who have faith in me will do the works I am doing, 
and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. And you may ask anything in my name, and I will do it. It it leads to a different power that we're relying on. And, And the power that he is saying relying on is the power of God's here, God's in my life, I see that. How is it that this is happening? He's saying that you're accessing that power in this by the simple, simply asking. It's not earning. It's not a merit. It's given as a gift. And, and I'll tell you, what he's really getting at is that the disciples really hadn't been asking for anything. If you look at it, most of the stuff that we have It's God in our life giving us things, preparing this life. It's not that it's free from trouble, but he's preparing this life that's going to be a great story that we're going to come together at some point and be able to talk about it. And it'll be a, even the difficult things will be something that'll be like a treasure in heaven. And he's doing all this and almost all of it, we haven't asked for it. It's not like he's saying like, well, you're not going to get it if you don't ask. That's not what he's saying. Because too much has been given without us asking anything. You know, as a dad, most of what I do for my kids or family has nothing to do with them asking for anything. They never, you know, it's like they do ask for stuff like candy and stuff that like it actually isn't going to be helpful for them, but I give it to them anyways just because they asked for it. And I think that's probably the way it is with God is like, yes, God gives us stuff that we ask for. It's not something that's helpful to us, but for whatever reason, we just had to have that lollipop. And so he gives it to us, but that has nothing to do with the fact that we needed it. You know, what we need, he gives. Whatever we needed along this path for this story that we're going to have, that we're going to share together, he's doing that for us. Whether we even believe in him or not, he's giving it. But the asking is like that statement of faith at the very beginning of saying, like, how does this all work out if God does exist? What would need to be the case? How, how would this all come back through? How, how does that assurance build? How, how do we look? What does the path look like if that's the case? How, where is our power going to come from if that's the case? And he's saying asking is like that at the very beginning. What, what do I mean by that? It's like uh, I'm going through some sort of situation and, uh, you know, like we're going to have uh, after I get done, we sing. We'll have some folks up here that, to pray for you. And you wonder, well, if God's going to do what God's going to do. You know, okay, that's true. But the asking is kind of a way of me laying it down of saying, okay, well, here's a fact I asked. You know, I don't know how many times it's been like that when, when I've looked back and I'm trying to find assurance. I'm trying to find that. I'm trying to find God in my life. And I know that God's already doing a ton of stuff. For whatever reason, the asking puts a marker down that allows me to... It's like, well, I do know this. I asked. And then this happened. This is what went down. 
What he's saying is, is this isn't something that you just, I mean, I don't know how to say it because I, I want to say like it's not something you take by faith. It obviously is something you take by faith. But it's not something that's without any kind of evidence. It's not something that's, that has nothing to do with searching for something that's actually going to happen. It's, it's not like you just leave that side of yourself. He's saying, start asking and see what happens. Start looking at things honestly in terms of our plans and what's happening and how things, and take an honest look at it. You don't have to lie. If it's you making it happen, great. Go with that then. But if it's not, then ask what else is happening here. He's not saying, look, I know that I'm the one who made this all happen, but for the sake of religious purposes, I'll say it's Jesus. (laughs) He's not saying that. He's saying, don't say it's Jesus unless you've got some evidence to back that up. What would be the evidence? Like, well, like, for instance, my story that I told about this is like, I don't know, maybe that's all coincidence. But it certainly wasn't me working it all out. <laughs> I know that. I, I'm not going to walk away from it saying like, oh, I made all these grandiose plans and then it all like happened. <laughs> He's saying, yeah, the leap of faith is there. Yeah, I'm taking a step of saying, you know, I don't know how this, I'm just going to say, I'm pretty sure Jesus planned this out. <laughs> and that's a step of faith. But it's not without some sort of looking at life and and looking at things that that actually happen and at the very least coming to the conclusion of saying, I really didn't do anything here. Like I was trying hard and I couldn't make it happen. (laughs) There was things outside of my control that happened. He says, we search for so many things and we want so hard to find assurance. We want so hard to find a path. He says, Just take some of that time and instead of trying to pin that all on ourselves, just take that leap of faith and say, what would it look like if God existed? What would it look like if God cared about us and wanted to be in our life? What would it look like if Jesus really was God who came down to live with us? And what would it look like if he is preparing a life with us so that we can all be together, and talk about these things that we're going through, what, what, what evidence would there be? There would for sure be evidence of us not being able to do it. And then there would be something left kind of open-ended of like, well, what is happening there? And the best way would be to start asking for stuff. Start asking and see what happens. Let's pray. Uh, let's stand together and uh, bow our heads and close our eyes. And you know, I want to give you a chance if, if there's something that is stirring in your heart that you haven't been a follower of Jesus, maybe you haven't even believed in God, but, but there's something that that's telling you right now I want to make a a decision and I want to see where this goes with Jesus Um, as everyone's eyes are closed. Raise your hand real quick and I'll pray for you. Okay, let's pray. And and for anyone else, if you'd like to ask, you can ask for help any way you want. If you want to make a, a, 
you know, come up and have someone pray with you, there'll be people up here to pray. Not through these last songs. Let's pray together. Jesus, we just thank you so much for not remaining up in heaven, but coming down and becoming one of us. We thank you for being in our life. We thank you for the plans that you're making. We even thank you. It's hard for us to say it, but we even, in some senses, if we can get through to the other side, we're thankful for the hardships too. But more than anything, Lord, we're just thankful that you're the one seeing us through, that you care about us, that you're preparing a life for us and a place for us. And Lord, help us to just believe in that assurance and to believe in the plan that you have for us and to believe in the power that you have to make it happen. And let us find rest in that. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.